and forth. The crew struggles to keep the boat on course. Despite having a seasoned captain, fear lurks in the heart of every man. Each wave that crashes over the side of the boat, more resolve washes away and out to sea. With all of earthly courage at its breaking point, it's amazing the haunting spooks fear can conjure. Drowning is only one of the many fears that visit each doomed passenger on this ill-fated trip across the waters. And at the worst possible moment, someone believes they see something. You hear a scream, it's a ghost! You say to yourself, I don't believe in ghosts. But let's be honest, shrouded in the darkness of fear, it's amazing what you will allow yourself to believe. So you begin to scan the waters furiously for yourself your eyes squinting in the spray of the ocean water, and you believe you see something as well. Someone is out there. Your hands begin to shake as fear grips the very heart of you. And then you hear a voice, a familiar voice say, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. When we are fearful, it's amazing what we allow ourselves to believe. Well, welcome to Faith Promise. My name is Micah, and we are in the middle of a series called Fear Less. If you're watching at one of our many locations, or if you're a God behind bars, you're online, and you missed this weekend, and you're just catching up, or you call, you call online campus your home. We're so thankful you're here. If you're curious and you're just looking for a spiritual experience, we believe you chose the perfect weekend. I believe there is more for you. I believe there's more for your family. There's more for our communities. There's more for our city. But we must do more. We must do more than come, sit, watch, and listen. We must step out. We must step up and meet real people that have real problems and show them the real love of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we beg and we anticipate you to encounter us in this moment. We believe at every campus the Holy Spirit in a moment could infiltrate us and weigh on us like an anchor with the truth and the stark reality that if people are far from you, they die and they spend eternity far from you. And if that is true, if the gospel is true, then let us awake, let us open our eyes from this prayer and see only the faces and the voices of those that are far from you. Fill us in this moment, give us conviction and courage of the things that we cannot see. Chart our course. It's in the only name worth praying, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, amen. Well, this weekend, Faith Promise, we are going to climb in the boat together and we're going to float through a familiar story to some and unfamiliar to others. And this story is written by a guy named Matthew. Matthew was a crooked bureaucrat turned follower and disciple of Jesus. And he's writing this story in the New Testament. The Bible we read is split into two halves, the Old Testament and the New. And the New Testament begins with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are an account of the life of Jesus. 
And Matthew begins the gospel, and he's telling the story. And this story happens right after the miraculous event of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Some would even say up to 10,000 men, women, and children with just table scraps. And after this amazing event, Jesus puts his disciples in the boat, and they head across the Sea of Galilee to continue ministering. And Jesus is going to stay and disperse the crowds and go spend a time alone with his father in prayer and then catch a ride to the other side, or so the disciples thought. And this is where our story begins. Jesus places the disciples in the boat. They head across the Sea of Galilee, and in the middle of the sea, their, their boat is hammered by a storm. And this is when Matthew writes, Jesus walks upon them. I love this miracle for a handful of reasons. One, Jesus decided to roll out the miracle of walking on water in the middle of a storm. Miracles often await us in storms. Another reason I love that Jesus walks upon a boat filled with terrified disciples. When we are most afraid is when God shows up. I'm not sure who shouted ghost first. I'm not sure who squeaked it out of the boat it's a ghost. My money's on Matthew. Why, you ask? Well, if Matthew is pinning this story, and if you're writing a book for the Bible, you want it to be as accurate as possible. And if it was anyone other than Matthew, I bet we'd have found that name on the page. Name is omitted. Matthew's the culprit. Like a little boy in the back of the boat screaming, it's a ghost. He should be ashamed of himself. But Jesus says, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And if this wasn't enough, if the storm wasn't large enough, if the insanity of Jesus walking on water wasn't enough, this story's just beginning. This is when Peter enters the story. Now Peter, through his life, has been a little dim-witted, a little slow to the draw. But this is a lot even for Peter. Peter says, Jesus, if it's you, command me to come out to the water. Pardon me, Peter? This is a lot even for you, my man. You're having to yell over the bow of the boat, over the waves crashing, over the disciples shivering in fear. Jesus, if it's you, command me to come out to you. Now, I'm not a sailor. Don't pretend to be one. Been on the boat, been on a boat a couple times. Been on a couple cruises. Went to Australia. I believe I'm a romantic guy. I'm going to bring... My wife, whale watching, or I like to say, Zach watching. <laughs> we get on the ferry, we're in line before the ferry's about to take off to show us where the whales submerge and whatnot. Don't know why it's romantic, but it is. And over the intercom, it goes six to nine meter waves. If you get seasick, please wait for the waves to die down. Joy looks at me, I look at her. I don't get seasick, do you? I don't get seasick. And here we go. The whales start to blubber up over the water. I don't know what's happening. It's majestic. It's amazing. And then the math starts to calculate in my head. Six meter waves is 18 foot waves. Nine meter waves is 27 feet waves. I'm America. We talk in feet. As soon as the math is done in my head, my belly starts to get a little queasy. I start to get the sloshy belly, and in that moment, I begin to vomit into a white paper bag that they so lovingly give you on this trip. 
And in that moment, the last thing that I'm thinking is I should just step out of this boat and walk on the very waves that are making me vomit into this bag. But that's what Peter wanted to do. And Jesus did what Jesus does. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water towards Jesus. Let's talk about something that's so true and real about our Savior, Jesus Christ. When you are most fearful, Jesus says, come. Whether you've been a disciple and a follower of Christ for 30 years, 30 seconds, or you don't know if God, church, and this Bible thing is even for you, when you are most afraid, Jesus says, come. Are you afraid of God asking you to do something? Give generously, grow together, be a part of next steps. And I understand the storms of your family and your busyness makes this seem impossible. The waves within you of doubt and shame and brokenness makes it seem scary. But when we are most afraid, Jesus says, come. Maybe you're a follower and you might, Mike, I'm a fake, I'm a fraud, I'm a phony. There's no way that I would have gotten out of the boat like Peter. I would have stayed with the rest of the disciples shivering in fear. When we are fearful, it's amazing what we will allow ourselves to believe. But I believe this is false, Christ follower. I believe you walk under an open heaven. I believe you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside you. And you belong with Jesus walking alongside him on the water. Jesus says, come, and he's ready for you. And he's ready for me. Jesus says, come. And so should we. Did you know that Easter is only three weeks away? And last weekend, Pastor preached an amazing, inspired message. If you missed it, check it out online. About becoming fearless and sharing God with others and those around us. Three weeks. Who have you identified? What face, what voice, what name is on your heart to invite to Easter, to be a part of a miracle? A miracle, Michael, what are you talking about? We believe when someone is baptized and they give their life away and they're transformed from darkness to light, their eternity is shifted forever, their destiny is rewritten. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a miracle to me. Sounds like a miracle to me. Pastor also reminded us last weekend that we are commanded to go therefore. We are commanded to go therefore, Jesus says, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you, and all I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. What is keeping you in your boat of comfort? Just like alongside Peter, Jesus stands alongside us and he is calling us out into the impossible. He's calling us out into a miracle. And that miracle may not even be for you, it could be for somebody else. But don't we want to be a part of it? Don't we want to be a part of life change, of people far from God encountering him for the very first time? And I get it. I understand that sharing your spiritual story with someone that's far from God or doesn't believe God like you do can seem as impossible as walking across storm-tossed waves. And with that in mind, we have something in common with Peter because Peter's story is just beginning on the water. It's written, Peter, seeing the, the winds and the waves, he became frightened and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, Jesus, save me. Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and he saved Peter. Just before Peter started to sink, he was walking on the water. What happened? 
I believe his focus shifted from the power of Jesus to the power of the storm. So often, Christ's follower, we focus on sinking instead of our calling to go and share the real love of Jesus with those around us. What will they say? What are you focused on when you are fearful? Is it on Jesus, your defender, your savior, your maker, your creator? Or is it on what someone may think about you? On what someone may say about you? Our focus must be on Jesus. What will they say, Micah? How will they respond, Micah? Obedience is our jobs, outcomes are his. When I say the word obedience, a story always resonates within me. I office out of the Pellissippi location, and so my friend and I were driving to lunch one day. We pulled out of the Pellissippi parking lot. We're driving up the parkway, and we notice a young woman assessing her vehicle seemingly has a flat tire, so we pull up behind her. As soon as I put my car in park, I heard the Holy Spirit impress upon me, share Jesus with this woman. Instantly, I began having an internal battle with myself. And I believed myself to be gregarious. I have no problem with striking up a conversation with somebody that I don't know. But talking to them about Jesus is a different story entirely. Changing a tire doesn't take that long. I can feel myself battling within as we change this tire. This event is coming to an end. And I never shared Jesus with her. One of the most embarrassing things about that story for me is I hid behind inviting her to church. I said, hey, we, I work here at Faith Promise. We'd love to see you sometime. Would she have given her life to Christ on Pellissippi Parkway with cars whizzing by? Would she have laughed at me? I'll never know. And I'm not telling you to not invite people to church. We encourage you. We challenge you to do that. But God didn't ask me to invite her to Easter. He didn't, he didn't ask me to invite her to church. He asked me to share Jesus with her, and I didn't. So often, life can feel like stormy seas. Our heart feel like crashing waves. And the enemy is so good at whispering doubt. Do you know enough to share your faith? Who gave you permission to speak on spiritual matters? Isn't sharing God and your faith offensive? Do you know enough about the Bible to quote it? And just like Peter, we begin to sink and drown in silence. The story continues. Jesus stretches out his hand. He pulls Peter out. He says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? They get to the boat. The winds stop. All that were in the boat begin to worship Jesus, saying, you are truly the son of God. And I believe Peter and Jesus shared eyes at that moment. Because I don't believe Jesus just left Peter at you of little faith. Why did you doubt? I believe Jesus wanted to show Peter I was always in control. I was always in control. A more direct translation of the question that Jesus asked Peter is, what is it that made you fearful? I believe, again, Peter lost focus. His focus in the boat was on Jesus. Command me and I will come out to you. Jesus said, come. So he stepped and he began, as soon as his foot hit the water, the wind and the waves begin to engulf him. When we are fearful, it's amazing what we will choose to believe. Let me ask a question. I know it's church. We're supposed to be fake, right? 
Not supposed to say everything's good, fam. Good in the neighborhood, I'm fine. Can we be real for a second? Is the reason we don't share Jesus with others because we doubt Jesus? Either Jesus is good enough, he's big enough, he loves us enough for our friends, our family, our workmates, classmates, and teammates, or he isn't. When we are fearful, it's amazing what we will choose to believe. Who do you believe regretted more that day, Peter or the disciples? Peter did sink, but he got to walk on water with Jesus, and the disciples never dipped a toe in. Our cities are begging and groaning for people to step up and step out and walk alongside Jesus and not watch other people do it. We are called to step out of the boat of our comfort like Peter did. When you are fearful, it's amazing what you will choose to believe. Peter stepped out and it's time for us to do the same. Peter stepped out into the storm, into the waves. And yes, for us, most of the time, it's not gonna be literal waves crashing upon us, but it'll be the doubt. The doubt of not knowing if you're good enough, if your past isn't too bad enough. But we're going to step out because we are called to go and tell them of him. Mike, I don't know how to do it. How am I supposed to happen? I'm so glad you asked. Let's talk about it. Because I believe at Faith Promise we craft amazing experiences. Specifically this weekend, there's some pretty good teaching. You can clap, it's fine. But if we don't put in your hands practical ways to go and share your spiritual story with others, we're failing you. It is not to come and worship a God and listen to preaching about a God that shouldn't change you outside of these walls. So let's talk about option one. I call this one leg over the boat. Casually share something that God is doing in your life with someone far from God. Simple. Easy, because I promise you at least one person, if not many, will ask you, how you doing this week? If you at the gym, at work, what's going on? How's your family? And instead of saying good, dap, fam's fine, we're good, we're cool. Hey, say, God is doing this in my life. Thanks so much for asking. In a recent study, 78% of non or lapsed Christians leave a casual one-on-one -on -one conversation about Christian spirituality encouraged. So let's follow the feeling and share what God is doing with us. Just share Share what God is doing with you in your life. When we are fearless, it's amazing what we'll see when we believe. Option two, I call this both legs over the side of the boat, but we're still sitting on the edge. Ask someone what they believe in spiritually and then listen without judgment. Oh gosh, this is gonna get tough here, people. Buckle up. Everyone say listen. listen. Say listen. What does it look like to listen without judgment? This is a full body exercise. Many of us will have to be seated most of the time. It involves your eyes, your ears, your closed mouth, and your open heart. That same study said 62% of people that are non or lapsed Christians look for someone that will listen without judgment to share spiritual matters with. 62%. If that study isn't enough, let's just follow the example of Jesus. Everything Jesus did was personal before he acted. So he could hear their hearts cry. So he could hear their malicious intent. So he could hear their uncertainties. Let's follow the feeling this week. And ask someone what they believe in spiritually. When we are fearless, it's amazing what we will see when we believe. The last option, I call this walking on water. 
This is pro-level stuff. Share your spiritual story with someone you have a relationship with that is far from God. Let's recap. Did I ask you to shove an Easter invite in their face? Did I ask you to scribble down a list of all the sins you know they do and show that to them? Did I ask you to get in a political or morality debate with them? You say, Michael, should we not invite people to Easter? Absolutely not. That's what I'm not saying. That's all I'm saying. We would love you to because we believe it's one of the best times for people to come and hear the gospel. But if you ask Pastor Chris, and I will give you everything that I own. I haven't asked him this. I'll give you everything I own. It's not a lot, but you can have it. The next time you see him, if you say, hey, Pastor, would you rather me give someone an invite card to Easter or share my spiritual story of how Jesus changed my life? He's going to say, share your story about how Jesus changed your life. Inviting people to Easter is important, but their eternity is more important. And we are fearless. It's amazing what we will see when we believe. Let's follow the filling and share our spiritual story with someone that's far from God, that believes differently about God than you. Peter stepped out. It is time for us to step out of the boat of our comfort. And guess what? You may sink. You may get frustrated. You may do the things I just said not to do. You may get just so frustrated defending God. You may misquote scripture. God help you. But just like Jesus grabbed Peter's hand, he'll grab your hand. And he will pull you back. My favorite thing probably about the story of Jesus walking on water is he saves Peter from his failure. They get into the boat. They worship Jesus. They go across the Sea of Galilee to continue ministering. Peter ministered alongside Jesus, soaking wet from his failure. This city doesn't need Christians waiting in church to dry off from their past. They need out there, be out there, be with them, soaking wet, not afraid of your past, not ashamed of what you've done, but standing on it, proclaiming that Jesus is enough. I'm standing before you preaching to thousands of people this weekend, dripping wet from failure soaking wet from mistakes and doubt and frustration. But the most beautiful thing about the gospel, I still get to minister alongside Jesus soaking wet. The world needs some soaking wet promisers that are willing to say, hey, yeah, I've been there, I've done it. I'm not ashamed of my past. It is a platform on which I proclaim that Jesus loves me anyway. He loves you anyway. And no matter what you did last night, no matter what you woke up this morning feeling like, looking like, the gospel is ever-present and available to you. I've experienced Jesus and the Holy Spirit a handful of times in my life. I've seen it happen for others. Well, there are two crucial experiences for me. One, I was 13 years old at the Oak Ridge Mall before they tore it down, where Faith Promise used to meet. And a preacher came in, wasn't my dad, was a little hell, hellfire and brimstone, I got scared, raised my hand, I don't want to go to hell, tears filled my eyes, I prayed a prayer, I got baptized the next week. And I said the sinner's prayer from that moment till I was 26 about 600,000 times. I was not devoted, I was not committed, just living my life as a second generation Christian. And at 26 years old, I was seeing an FP group, an encounter group, as we were walking through the book of John, and we got to a verse that says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I heard the voice and the oppression of the Holy Spirit like I did that day on Pellissippi Parkway. And he said, Micah, do you love me? And I didn't answer right away because I knew there was going to be a follow-up that I wasn't ready for. And I waited, 
Group is happening. I'm just losing my mind by myself in the corner. And I finally said, yes, God, I love you. He said, come. Come back to me. You are drowning and sinking in doubt and shame and brokenness. Come back to me. And I can't tell you, I'm not a theologian. If I was truly saved at 13 or 26, some would say, Micah, you were saved at 13 and you rededicated your life at 26. It doesn't matter. What matters is that is available free of charge to you as well. It is available to you, faith promise. Trust me, believe that. And right now, we're going to talk about the gospel. Right now, at every location, whoever can hear the sound of this microphone audio, the gospel is available and it's ever-present for you. One of the most religious men of all time walked away from a life of religion to chase and carry his cross for Jesus. His name was Paul. And he said in Romans, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word. He also said, any man or woman calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in him, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth they confess resulting in salvation. I know that's a lot. It could be a little confusing, but let's get real. If you're broken, lost, you're looking for real love. I know that's what we talk about here at Faith Promise. And we want that to be a place where you can access that. But the real love is in the arms of Jesus. The real love, the real grace, the peace, the joy that surpasses any wave and storm this world could throw at you is in the arms of Jesus. So all the campuses, your campus pastors are going to head up to the platform and they're going to walk you through what's called the sinner's prayer. And there's nothing special about these words, but if you mean these words, they'll change you forever. And this prayer is just basically saying, I've sunk, I've been sinking my whole life. And if you want the rest of this life, God, you can have it. You're perfect and I'm not. You died for me and I didn't. And I'll follow you for the rest of my life because of that fact. Campus pastors, take it away. El Sippy, God behind bars, online, whoever else is listening. If that's your time, this is the most important moment of your life. You may not be able to identify or describe the feeling that's happening within you, but I believe it's the Holy Spirit calling you to himself. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to pray together because we're a family. We're saying, dear Jesus, I'm sinking. I'm soaking wet. I'm sorry. From this day, I will believe in you. I will follow you. I will serve you till my last day. You died for me so that I can live for you. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, can we celebrate just a little bit what God has done in the lives of so many?